the interconnectedness, the way that we rely on them, their sheer wonder in, in how they connect to the forest floor and this mycelial underground network that is just, you know, the Earth's immune system. So there was always this like deep sense of magic where I was like, what is this thing? Hello, yogis, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dharma Talk. I'm your host, Henry Winslow, and this is episode number 67. This week, I have a different kind of episode for you. My guest is not a yoga teacher. However, she has used yoga to move through a difficult period in her life and on the other side, come into a deeper understanding of her true purpose, her calling, her dharma. And that is to inspire and educate on how to use plants, fungi, and food as medicine. These are other forms of exploration of the body and mind, and I'm excited to share with you her level of expertise very soon. But before we talk more about this episode, first I want to make a shout out to my friend Joshua Judd for making a donation to support Dharma Talk. Thank you, Joshua. I really appreciate it. Um, Every donation really touches me and makes a big difference. If any other listener would like to make a donation to help support this project, you're always able to do that through the website, henrywins.com slash dharmatalk or dharmatalk.show. There's a little PayPal button there and you can make a donation to support the show. Now, about this week's programming, my guest this week is Tanya Papanikolov and she is a bona fide expert in mushrooms. There's so much to know here, more than most people are even aware that you can learn about. And this conversation will most likely be mind-blowing for a lot of you if you haven't uh, dug into this topic on your own. We talk about, first, her background, walking into the unknown, and, and how yoga helped her move through a pivotal transition period in her life. And then we get into the mushrooms. Talk about mushroom consciousness, mycoremediation and how fungi can heal not only our planet, but also our human bodies. We get into mycophobia and sorting out rational caution from unconscious social conditioning when it comes to the fear of fungi, which is very real. Also, we broach the topic of psychedelic mushrooms, microdosing, and the potential of psilocybin for therapeutic use. And finally, Tanya shares the new product that she has created for you to absorb the balanced benefits of medicinal mushrooms conveniently and efficiently. So all that is coming up very soon. Please just stay tuned through these announcements and we'll dive into my interview with Tanya Papanikolov. Hey yogis, this is what's coming up on my teaching calendar. I hope that you can join me for some of these events. This Saturday at Three Jewels in New York, I'm giving a workshop called Purification Practice, Mantra, Pranayama, and Kriya for Clarity. This is a non-asana workshop, and it's accessible to all levels, anyone interested in going deeper into the subtler practices of yoga. Also, this week is your last chance to sign up for the JMY Advanced Teacher Training happening at Lighthouse Yoga School over July and August. It starts on Monday, so if you want to get in, it's not too late. You can apply. Please use Henry Wins on your application to get $100 off the tuition. 
Apart from that, I have some rocket yoga events coming up at Pure Yoga West in August and October. And then later in the year, I'm heading to Austin and Dallas, Texas, and later Mexico for some weekend immersions. So please get all the details for these events at henrywins.com events and sign up. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I have my new friend, Tanya Papanikolov, on the line. Tanya is the founder of Rainbow, that's Rainbow with no W, a medicinal mushroom brand and product line that just launched. She is a holistic nutritionist and the creative force behind The Well Woman, where she inspires and educates on plants, fungi, and food as medicine. Tanya, I'm excited about this conversation. I'm excited about your new brand and um, and everything that you have to share. So how are you today? Thank you so much, Henry. I just got really excited because you pronounced so many things correctly, like my last name and fungi. And um, thank you for the beautiful introduction. I'm really excited to be here too. Wow, I feel, I feel flattered <laughs> that um, my pronunciation was approved. <laughs> Well, um, let's let's roll with this positive momentum. The first yeah. question that I'd like to ask you, I ask all of my guests, is this. What does the word dharma mean to you? And what is your dharma as you understand it today? So dharma, the word dharma and the meaning and kind of feelings that that invoke for me, um, as it's been something that has kind of been something I've worked towards and spent a lot of my 20s trying to figure out what that meant to me. Um, but for me, it's really just about my calling and um, or one's calling and one's gift and kind of just that unique um, fingerprint, soul print that a person has um, that can really light up the world and light up your life and provide such a deep sense of meaning. So yeah, I, I guess for me, Dharma is really just about um, uh, that vocation and that calling and that deep meaning of a soul's journey of, you know, what we're doing here. And my understanding of, of my own Dharma is, I guess, really simply just that I, I've, I've always known that I, I'm here to help people. And that's something that I, I've always said to my, my parents, even I think I was around four or five years old when I first told them that. And just kind of made you know like a a stark declaration of that uh, to them, and I really I do remember that moment. And I think children are so tapped in and um, at such a close, direct source to you know what what's beyond where we came from. Um, and I and I think that they hold keys to parts of our soul before we get kind of conditioned by life and by society. So. Um, yeah, I guess kind of blanket statement is just that I'm really extremely passionate and I know that my soul's purpose is to help people on our planet. And, um, that's, that kind of happens in a variety of different ways. I love that story because I can imagine a a young Tanya looking (laughs) up at her parents and saying that, what was their reaction? Um, 
they, I think, I mean, they knew that I, I really wanted to, uh, I was just like a, a different kid. Um, and I, I probably had like my Fisher Price doctor's bag in my hand at the time and would be like putting band-aids on them or something silly. Like, you know, I was, I was pretty animated and they, I think they loved it and they were just like, you know, interested and intrigued by, by my early declarations. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you so much about uh, children being tapped into something that we all know, but tends to get covered up by conditioning and, um, and conditioned thought patterns. I'm sure that's something that um, goes into your idea about what um, these plants and fungi can do for us. uh, And I'm sure we'll get into that soon. But first Mm -hmm. of all, uh, I'd love for you to be able to tie this back to your practice of yoga. How did you come across yoga and how has that begun to weave itself into your expression of Dharma? Totally. It is uh, so, so closely related. And my mom, we grew up in a pretty healthy, healthy household. My mother practiced yoga. So I have some really early memories in the 90s of doing these, you know, yoga classes with her, watching this woman on a screen in like a head to toe red leotard type outfit and just kind of, you know, moving our bodies. Um, So it was interesting to have that experience as a kid. Um, And I really didn't discover yoga again until I was about 18, 17 or 18, somewhere in that range. And I was in university and um, going to school in Guelph and studying nutrition. And I kind of just went to this random gymnasium and started practicing yoga there. And I, it really became something that it's hard to put into words. As you can imagine, yoga has completely transformed my life and my understanding of self and my body and stress and, um, you know, just Eastern traditions and, and how that relates to consciousness. I mean, so much, but really I, I, after school, I kind of, I I wasn't doing too much yoga until I was around 22 and I was in a super high stressful job. I was working in fashion at the time and I was kind of just, you know, something that I find really interesting with Dharma is that it can also be quite uncomfortable. And because, because part of our twenties with with the cycles of of life was just so much about um, trying to understand ourselves and what we're doing. And it can be a really confusing time for many. Um, so a lot of my dharma was kind of woven up in into this resistance that I had about leaving this role and moving into the unknown. And I really had no idea what that looked like. So it, it was, it kind of felt like taking a, you know, a, just a, a step into the dark um, so I remember that process being relatively uncomfortable because my relationships were changing and my lifestyle habits were changing, my health was changing, and I had a you know a big scare that I knew I needed some things to change. And um, for me, I have I have such a sensitive body and a very visceral response response to stress. So it's really something that I've had to learn to manage. But I basically, long story short, I kind of got into yoga, started using it for stress management and really just helping guide this kind of transitional period of my life where I was leaving a boyfriend and leaving my job and, you know, trying to figure out what it all meant. And all I knew was that I, I, all I could do was yoga every single day. 
and I would just sit in my practice and tears would come and I would, you know, learn, learn a hand, ba- a, a handstand or a, some sort of an arm balance. And, um, it was, I just found community. I found a best friend and, um, it really started shaping my life and my decisions. And from there I kind of became just more of a, I just continued to study. I, I did my teacher's training at one point as well. And it's been, it's just been such a, an ongoing process. And one interesting story, um, kind of, I had, I was reading the Bhagavad Gita. Have you, have you read that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'd read that and, um, I was at this point in my life where, again, I was in this job that I was ready to leave and, kind of resisting this calling, but really trying to understand it and trying to think my way into what things might look like. And I had this book that literally arrived on my doorstep, which I found out later the reason of, of how it got there and all that stuff. But um, it was just this book that completely changed my life called The Great Work of Your Life. And the book is actually all about Dharma and one's vocation and calling and the whole... I'm not sure if you... Have you read it or... No, I'm not it. familiar. Is it is it an explanation of the Bhagavad Gita? It's not. He yeah. It's by no means like a um, an in depth explanation, but he references it throughout the whole book. Mm-hmm. And I see. He's um yeah. He's kind of the author is from like the Kripalu Extraordinary Living Center. I might have gotten that wrong, but something along those lines. Mm-hmm. He's he's like a a student of yoga, and uh, and it's just a uh, it really it, it just really touched me and and had a really 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 deep impact on um me being able to get to this place where I was completely ready to just walk into the unknown of of really following what I felt I was meant to do here Mm. yeah I mean I can totally relate to that story I also had a background as I'm sure many people who have followed the path of yoga in the modern age do I had a background of of going down the path that didn't align with my own personal values, mm-hmm. but due to conditioning, due to um, basically following the guidelines set by others and impressed upon me, I believe that was the correct path. And doing yoga, practicing yoga regularly, there was something about that that attracted me and kept me coming back. And without even me being aware of it, it was slowly chipping away at those conditioning um, patterns and bring me back into closer alignment with knowing what it is that I actually wanted to be doing. And, and for me, that was to go on and pursue yoga, not only as a personal practice, but as something to share as a teacher. But um, mm-hmm. that's very interesting that, um, that you were able to use yoga in the same way, but it guided you not necessarily onto a career path related to yoga, but it was still a useful tool to put you on your true path. Definitely. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it will always be such a big part of my lifestyle. And that all that has taken different types of, of what that has looked like has, has turned up differently in different parts of my life. And I had a very, a very kind of deep and, um, committed asana practice for quite a long time. And, and now that's transitioned into much more deeper med- meditative practice. Mm-hmm. Um, So just kind of letting that ebb and flow as well, because definitely when I got into yoga, it was like meditation, like what's that? I, you know, I, I wasn't as connected to that, but I, 
it's so funny. I, I don't even, I can't even imagine one, like one existing without the other because they're so closely tied and it has become such a large part of how I do work just because it, it just how you, how you be and your being. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it definitely, it, it, yeah, exactly. It didn't take me down the teaching path in that respect, but had what, what does your practice look like? What sort of meditation do you practice? Um, so I've kind of gone back and forth over the last few years with trying out different things. I was, um, trying out transcendental meditation for a little bit last year. And, um, I kind of flow in and out with that at some point in the day, but, um, a few years ago I discovered Kundalini yoga and that has been so, so powerful. Um, just in terms of the way that, it can elevate me and, and people who do it. So I usually have some sort of a, a morning practice um, with some of the Kriyas that I'm working towards. And I usually try and stick to a practice for 40 days mm-hmm. um, and, and really just focus on that in terms of, you know, committing to something and. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Kundalini tradition actually teaches that 40 days is a very, um, sacred, I guess, amount of time. And it's the amount of time that it takes to establish a habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you yeah. have a personal favorite Kriya? Um, right now I've been working on the mag- magnificent meditation. Um, but I, there's so many, I mean, I often, I go back to the addiction meditation all of the time. I, I was funny when I started practicing the addiction meditation, I noticed that I started being on time for everything. It's not early. And I would just like be forgetting my phone in in different rooms and leave the house without my phone. So it really, it was cool to see it strip away at um, some of the things that I didn't necessarily think I would, you know, not that I didn't think I was addicted to certain devices, um, but it just, it has such a deep permeability into parts of the subconscious. And, um, and yeah, that was pretty powerful. How fascinating. I, I'm not familiar with that meditation, so I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Do you ever practice Kundalini? Occasionally, I do. Um, I have I have a few Kriyas that I really like to practice. I love the Ego Eradicator, and I love the Siddharshan Chakra Kriya. Mm, beautiful. So tell I me started, how... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I started implementing the cold showers every morning. Oh, yeah. And that was something I resisted for a long time especially when I first started learning Kundalini. Um, and then I just became so, so amazed at the way that I felt in the mornings. Um, so sharp. After, so sharp, so alert. Any, the entire body just feels completely drained of any puffiness, inflammation, like anything. Um, so it's a really beautiful way to start the day and just kind of like cultivates that power of the mind. For sure, yeah. Um, that seems like a nice segue to move into a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart, the fungi. So how did you start to cultivate that interest and how are you using fungi to continually sharpen your mind? Yeah, so I, I've been interested in mushrooms for a long time. I, I started learning about how to forage them about five years ago in the Canadian Northern forests with some friends who were, you know, superfood enthusiasts. And, um, 
I just felt like I had so much to learn. And it was around the time when I guess I don't, I was maybe around like maybe even seven years ago. I'm, I, I can't quite remember, but I started learning about superfoods and adaptogens and elixirs and um, all of those types of things and the adrenals and just kind of a whole bun, a whole range of different things. And I, you know, when we would go out and forage for mushrooms, I was always, there was always this like deep sense of magic where I was like, what is this thing? Like, um, I feel so at home in the forest. So it's, uh, I'm an earth sign and, uh, it's just where I, it feels like church going to church when I'm, when I'm in there. So, um, I guess, yeah, the, the initial kind of spark started there and in nature and, um, about a year and a half ago, I just started doing a lot more research on mushrooms and how they can, it was Paul Stamets and, and I was reading all of his books, um, about mushroom cultivation and how mushrooms can save the planet. And, um, it was also, it was just an interesting time. I feel like there was this wave of mushroom consciousness that crept into the minds of many. Um, and it was right, it was before Michael Pollan had had written his book as well. Um, and it just felt like this surge of um, something hard to explain that was just there. Um, and previous to that, I had been using, um, like about three years ago, I was doing some liver healing and using reishi therapeutically. And um, that was extremely effective for me. So there's always been, I've always been using tinctures or capsules, um, at least, not always, but at least for the last three years. Um, and then started really digging into just how, what they are and what the kingdom represents and, and the interconnectedness, the way that we rely on them, their, you know, there's just sheer wonder in, in how they connect the forest floor and, um, you know, this mycelial underground network that is just, you know, the earth's immune system. So I really just became so passionate about it and, um, I have so many ideas all the time. And so it's been really interesting because this has felt like it has completely taken me on. And um, I've just been this like passenger and it's been such a wild and fun and interesting ride that I didn't think I'd be on because my background has not been in like any anything business related. Mm -hmm. So I've really had to kind of like show up in a new way and learn different skill sets. And there has just been this deep connection um, that I've had with, with these mushrooms that have really like guided, guided me along the way, um, and made everything just feel like I was in flow state. Well, since I have you on here and you are such an expert on, on the topic, um, I'm sure there are many listeners, uh, who don't have the, the slightest clue of how important and diverse these mushrooms really are. I feel that, yes, there is like sort of a consciousness around this and, and it's becoming a bit more in the zeitgeist to, to, to talk about mushrooms. But, you know, some people don't even know that it's like a different kingdom and, right. and mushrooms are more closely related to animals and us than, than even plants are. How can you give us sort of a one on one oh one on why mushrooms, why fungi are so important and what you mean when you say that mushrooms can save the planet? Definitely, yeah. So um yeah, I love I love that you said that because we are closer humans are are more closely related to 
um, mushrooms than we are plants. And we, you know, broke off from that genus billions of years ago. Um, but it's the way that our cells are formed and the way that we utilize um, enzymes to digest our food and different things like that that kind of connect us to that kingdom. But um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of really, really amazing stuff happening right now with microremediation. And microremediation is really using um, mushrooms to clean up and enhance the soil. And so you can think of mushrooms like these... Uh, okay, so there's there's a lot. There's the mycelial network, which is basically this underground network that um, connects all of life in in a, on the forest floor. Um, and any old growth forest will have a pretty healthy mycelial network. Um, cities, you know, it's a little bit harder to to find that in cities just because we've obviously um, changed the the land here, but. Um, it's basically this wide-spanning network that is used to connect plants, to connect trees, to connect this entire web of life that is existing underneath the forest floor. And it's used for communication and, you know, nutrients to be passed through to different plants. Um, they communicate and, you know, tell each other about predators that are, you know, kilometers away. So it is, that's kind of one side of it, but on, on the other they are also cleaning up the environment and cleaning up the soil. So this, you know, if you think about a, a tree falling in the forest and um, eventually that kind of rotting and turning back into soil, it's the mycelium and these mushrooms that have the responsibility of turning this death, kind of this, this dead plant into nutrition. So they're these, you know, soil decomposers and, um, you know, the whole, we really rely on them for the health of our soils. So it's been kind of said that they're they're considered to be the Earth's immune system in that um, they can take you know all types of different um, waste products and turn it into healthy soil. And there's been some pretty cool studies just about how um, you know mycelium can literally turn like tar and oil spills back into soil. And it, although it's not you know soil that you'd want to plant anything in, it, it can at least clean it up and change that into something that is um you know nutritive right right and if it serves as earth's immune system in a way you could also say it's serving as the earth's central nervous system by conducting all of these collaborative communications between the plants totally totally and it's interesting too that it has a similar a similar effect in the body as well um whether what? it's well, whether it's a medicinal mushroom that has the ability to, um, you know, lion's mane, for example, has a direct effect on, you know, cognitive function and has the ability to regrow nerve, nerve growth factor, um, whereas other mushrooms are, you know, chaga mushroom is one of the highest antioxidant foods on the planet. Um, and so that has the ability to kind of get into our cells and... Um, you know, work with from an antioxidant perspective to combat, you know, DNA damage, um, has anti-cancerous properties. So there, there's, yeah, there's so much, there's so much, they do so much. So when, or not when, but how did you come across the idea to start 
a new product line that leveraged the power of these mushrooms? So I was, it was last February and I was, I mean, it really just kind of came to me in a moment where I was listening to um, a podcast and uh, reading a lot of books. I, I was reading the book Food of the Gods by Terence McKenna. And I, it's kind of hard to explain it. It, it really just kind of dawned on me that, that I, I wanted to work with this kingdom and help expand mushroom consciousness at this time. And um, there's so much mycophobia and a lot of people just don't really know about, um, you know, the power that these mushrooms have. And so it really kind of came to me in a very fast instant in the same way that um, the well woman and the idea of, of really educating people in that on the perspective of holistic health. Um, it's kind of hard to put into words. It was just this moment where it was very clear and it was just this invitation. And so I sat with it for about a month before really talking about it with anybody. And I intuitively kind of had this like little ceremony with myself where I kind of brought together the books, like all of these, I, I had a night to myself and I had all of these, I had a huge piece of paper, all of these books, from all different types of authors that had have inspired my journey, everything from like mushrooms to gut health to you name it, just, you know, really um, inspirational figures and authors and my own teachers. And I kind of just had, I, I it, it, sound, it might sound silly, I just had this evening and I just brainstormed and I wrote down, I was just mind mapping and just writing down all these words and ideas and from that kind of, it just became really clear that, that this was something that I really wanted to do. And, um, and then I have had, yeah, just amazing friends and a team around me that have really supported it and allowed the vision to come to life in ways that have really blown me away. Mm -hmm. You mentioned mycophobia. Where do you think this fear um, stems from? And why is it so pervasive? Well, you know, mushrooms are, they can, you know, they can heal you, they can kill you. They're, they're with, with, with some good reason. Um, you know, you don't really want to just go into your backyard and pick a mushroom, you know, that's growing in your backyard and eat it because they do have, you know, such vast potential to do harm and to also heal. Um, so, you know, I think from a media perspective, if you're tuned into like, you know, getting kind of updates on what's happening. I think there was like some crazy story about um, a Michelin star restaurant in Portugal who unfortunately served, um, you know, a wrong mushroom and it did end up killing somebody. So I think that, and I have conversations with this with people who are like, Ooh, mushrooms. And I'm like, okay, let's kind of break this down. Why do you feel that way? And they would share that, this, it was kind of like something that their parents told them, like, you know, you never eat mushrooms, you don't do so-and-so. So I think it's partially this kind of thing that, you know, as you're, if you're a kid exploring in the forest, if you live in nature, um, there's some kind of conditioning around um, that they're just not to be touched and eaten. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one side of it. And then there's also, you know, from a, from a therapeutic side of things in terms of psychedelic mushrooms, those obviously are class three and, you know, illegal 
mushrooms in in Canada and the U.S. and all over the world, um, and viewed as you know these kind of bad drugs when um, you know they're 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 finally coming to a point now where there's a lot more research that's going into it, and a lot of people are a lot of people and organizations are showing their effectiveness in therapeutic settings, um, and yeah, and Terence McKenna too talks a lot about you know consciousness and free free will and the ability to explore our own consciousness through mushrooms and and theogens. So I I think it's kind of multifaceted in terms of why people fear them, um, you know, weaving into the psychedelic realm and also just the fact that um, you know mushrooms actually can also do harm in the body. Right. Yeah, it, it is. It's a complicated answer to a complicated uh, mm-hmm. social conditioning, I'm sure. Um, I, I wondered if you would touch on those points, because, you know, uh, to the to the, the idea of the, the poisonous lookalikes, I mean, you could say the same thing about berries, right? You don't go and pick random berries out in the woods and eat those because you have the danger of poisoning yourself there, too. But then there is there is something about um, like even little kids, like just being naturally grossed out by something maybe that grows out of the ground. And yet we grow out of the ground, you know, we're products of earth too. So it's a tricky, tricky thing. And it's something that I I try to wrap my head around too. It's like, why do certain things irrationally scare us or disgust us that are, that are natural? It's yeah, it's, it's so true. Um, and I think it, so much of it too comes back to our our culture and conditioning and parenting and all those different types of things. Um, even I think we see those differences too in North American culture versus European and in Europe, it just being a little bit more like free reigns to fall and scrape yourself um, and not be quite as fearful. But again, it's it's hard to kind of like it's, it's multifaceted. There's so much that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And we also live in a time where nature is so feared and, and we try and control it. Um, and think that, you know, there's, that, that we have some power over it, um, without the realization and deep understanding that we're just all in this together and, you know, in it and with it and of it. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, um, as you alluded to, you know, Michael Pollan came out with the book, How to Change Your Mind. And there does seem to be sort of a renaissance happening now around mind manifesting earth medicines. Um, you know, whereas in the 50s and 60s, it was more of like hippie culture, which carried its own mm-hmm. um, baggage and connotations. Now, there are all these studies going on. Johns Hopkins is running these story, uh, these studies, clinical studies, powerfully and um, traditionally uh, powered with, you know, double blind, placebo controlled, all of this stuff around psilocybin. Yeah, it's it's very it's a very exciting time, and people are really interested in in the potential of mushrooms. Uh, microdosing is such a hot topic now as well. Um, and I have tons of people asking me about that as well. So, yeah, not that we can officially recommend any illegal activity on this podcast, but, um, is that something that you have experience with microdosing? I have. Yes. And what, what has been your experience with that? What sort of effects have you, have you seen personally? Um, 
So personally, I, anytime I'm, I'm going into it, it's always with a very clear intention. And, um, and it's, it is really about like time alone. And for me, it's, it's, it's a very heart opening experience. And so I, I kind of tune into what my needs are for the day. And it's kind of a clear day that's off to myself. Um, or kind of in the setting where I can be creative and look at something from a different perspective. Um, so I often mind map on days like that, and I just try and look at things from a different perspective. So, um, so yeah, it, it's I, I it's very very subtle, and um, it it. Yeah, I just recommend like easing into it. Some people really don't feel it, but it kind of just depends on like what your intention is and um, so many things play into it. But I, I think it just needs to be a, a, an intention oriented mm-hmm. experience. Yeah, I think that's uh, a piece of this that sometimes gets lost in, in the popular conversation that these, you know, plant and and fungus medicines really are are not party recreational drugs if you don't use them that way and people have an idea about things being dangerous and destructive and addictive but when they're used as the name implies as mind manifestors you can have mm-hmm. a totally different experience with that that's very internal very reflective and and meditative quite honestly have you faced a lot of um external judgment for your choices to to pursue this um, or has it been mostly from yourself um do you mean rainbow or even microdosing? either um i definitely i haven't I, I haven't experienced external judgments that i'm aware of anyways but um yeah it was more so internal judgments of kind of of, you know, does this align with me? And why do I consider this a drug? And just kind of really, you know, in the last two years, just looking at things from a completely different perspective and looking at the research and, and that in and of itself is hard to ignore. So it was really just kind of changing my own perception of how I viewed it. And, um, and I would never use the word drug to describe mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, so just becoming much more thoughtful and aware of, of what their potential really is. Um, and, and yeah. So tell me what has been your biggest challenge in bringing rainbow to life and what was the lesson that you took away from it? Hmm. Um, hmm. It's a really good question. I, I guess that my biggest challenge with rainbow has been kind of trying to, there's been many, um, you know, trying to understand business has at first was kind of like, it seemed like this monumental thing that I was like, how, how am I ever, I've never taken one business class and I'm supposed to have like a financial plan and all these little things that at the beginning was just like, you know, I was just kind of making it into this big mountain. Um, and the more I surrounded myself with the right people and, you know, got the right assistance in, in doing that, it obviously just became something that was 
um, a lot easier and again, less of something that um, was a huge challenge and just more more of something that I grew and grew to understand and um, have an understanding of, but also just kind of have people that are good at that to help me with it. Um, so I would say some parts of business, like even managing some form of a supply chain has been very new. So there's been so many new things that I've had to learn and that's been pretty cool in, in hindsight. Um, and I would say the other, the other element has just been finding balance because I am just the nature of, of me when I am passionate about something is that. I really go full force into it and I have to learn about boundaries and it's something that I have to continue to work towards. Um, and I have two business, like, you know, two businesses or passions that I, I now have, um, which is the well woman, which has become this extension of me and now rainbow as well. So there's been this kind of feeling of being on this seesaw of trying to find some, you know, form of balance between that. And then as of late has also been um, really, I have such a fine-tuned relationship with my body that um, stress is, is something that I, I contemplate all the time. And longevity is something that I'm so passionate about. And I really believe that we can live into our hundreds and that if we just go a little bit slower with life, that it can just be extended by years and years. Um, along with, you know, diet and a whole bunch of other lifestyle factors. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just so easy when when I'm alone in nature, it's like, if I'm out of the city, and I'm working and, and I'm able to do that there, it's just a completely different energy. But my being in the city really is, um, it just gets me into this energetic state. So I have had to be so conscious of, um, of myself. And, you know, of what I believe time to be and um, how I make time and, you know, just being so intentionful with everything. So, you know, I've definitely had moments in the past two weeks um, where I've just felt like, ah, there's not enough, you know, it's, I, I'm so aware of like the, the story that is so easy to fall into. So it won't last too long, but um, you know, it just, it feels like a very transitional period. Um, and launching something and bringing it into the world that you've been working on for, you know, a year without really sharing too much with too many people is, has been a really, really interesting experience. And that has brought up a lot for me to kind of work through and process and have kind of like my circle of care to, to do that with. For sure. Yeah, I feel that we all have probably by now a pretty good understanding of what rainbow represents because it's an extension of of your philosophy and your journey of growth and understanding. But what is the the product itself, and um, what was your goal for that? What what do you hope that people will experience from from using the product? So the product itself is one one product right now, and it's called Eleven Eleven. Um, and I really wanted when I'm when I'm in the kitchen in the morning and making a morning elixir, I was putting so many different mushrooms into it. And mushrooms have a really, really incredible uh, property of working like in synergy with one another. So I basically just wanted to create a, a tincture, a product that was potent and bioavailable um, and 
that combined all of the mushrooms that I wanted to work with. So I think of it as a multivitamin, but a multi-shroom. So there's 11 mushrooms in this tincture, and they're dual extracted. So that means that they're extracted via hot water and also extracted via alcohol. And um, a tincture is a pretty, for anyone that doesn't know what it is, it's a, a pretty classical um, uh, you know, form of um, an herbal medicine in, in herbal medicine. Um, and there's, you know, it's a, a 70% spring water, 30% alcohol, and there are various nutritional compounds, some that can only be extracted via um, the water aspect and some that can only be extracted via alcohol. So I wanted to combine the two of them. And how do people use it? You would use it by, you could use it directly under your tongue sublingually. I have it every single morning in a matcha or in some sort of a, a, a beverage or elixir that I'm making. And I'll put a whole range of kind of my, my chosen adaptogens that I'm working with and the mushrooms. And it has become part of my morning ritual, but I'm like, I take so much of it. So I probably high dose it. Um, but I would say the, the best way is, is it's just so easy to drop. I wanted to create something that was that was easy and efficient for people to use. So the tincture allows for that. You could put it in a little bit of water. Um, but yeah, I would say coffee, tea is, is and, the easiest route. And with that cocktail of, of different mushrooms, is the effect pretty holistic or is there a specific kind of mind shift that, that it tends to yield? I would say that... Um, my own experience of it has been, um, has been, well, my own experience has actually been more of a cognitive shift more than anything. And I ran a pilot study and now that it's actually out in the world and people are taking it, the most, um, most of the feedback I get is that it feels extremely energizing and that they can feel it kind of like instantly. And mushrooms are different in that, you know, it's not caffeine. So um, you really do have to work with mushrooms and adaptogens over a long period of time. Um, you know, like every day for say seven days, 40 days, ideally you're, you're up to that 40 day range um, because that's the kind of the way that adaptogens work um, in supporting the body over a long period of time. Just like Kriyas. Just like Kriyas, exactly. <laughs> How do our listeners uh, pick up a bottle? You can pick up a bottle right now just on the website, rainbow.com, rainbow with the W. And in the future, I'm, I'm definitely in the works of getting um, some great stockists in New York and different parts of the U.S. Um, as well as in Canada. So that's coming. Um, we just had our pre-sale and um, that is everything is starting to ship next week. So it is all happening. You can check us out on the website. That would be the best way. Awesome. Congratulations on that, on the launch. Thank you. Thanks. Are you willing to do a discount for the Dharma Talk listeners if they purchase on your website? I would absolutely love that. And I was going to ask you the same thing. So please, please do uh, feel free to use the code Dharma and receive 15% off your first order. Amazing. You heard it here first. Uh, go to the Rainbow website and enter Dharma for 15% off your first purchase of the the 11, the formulation from Rainbow. Awesome. I'm Thank you. I'm in, uh, in New York for you to oh, try out. Henry. Thank you. 
Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get to you. All right. Um, I think now is the perfect time to move into the final section of the interview. I call this the prana round. I'm going to ask you six rapid fire questions. Okay. okay. I'm excited. All right. Answer in minimum one word, maximum one sentence. First question in one word. Why do you practice yoga? Harmony. What is your favorite yoga pose and why? Crow, because I store a lot of emotions and power in my hips. Mm. I'm going to add in an extra prana round question. What is your favorite mushroom and why? Favorite mushroom, Rishi, because she's the queen of the medicinal mushroom kingdom. The queen. What is the single best cue or piece of advice that you've ever received from a teacher? Mm. And it doesn't need to be a yoga teacher. I think that would be trust continually trusting in myself and, um, and just the flow of the universe. Because they're one and the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Truly. Recommend one book. You've mentioned a number of books already, but recommend one book, either modern or ancient, for our listeners. I think it would have to be, I mean, I'm sitting right beside me. I think it would have to be The Great Work of Your Life and the Bhagavad Gita. Who wrote The, um, the Great Work of Your Life? Stephen Cope. Okay. Thank you. Is yoga for everyone? Yes. Are mushrooms for everyone? Yes. Okay. Last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your Dharma? Hmm. Well, you can get in touch with me via email, Instagram, website so either at the well woman co or at rainbow mushrooms and i mean just listening to this and opening your hearts and um you know reaching out with questions and um all of that is is supportive and and beautiful so any of that amazing Tanya, thank you so much for giving and sharing of your time with me and with the Dharma Talk community. Uh, I'm really excited to test out your product and um, I'm just really uh, energized by the good work that you're doing. So thank you for sharing. Thank you so much for having me, Henry. And thanks for those words. And likewise, I'm constantly in awe of of your pretzeling on Instagram and um, the incredible messages that I read every day. Um, so thank you. It's an honor to, to share with you today. Hey, Dharma Talk community. If you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button right now. And if you'd like to show your support even more, leave me an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcast directory you listen on. You can also make a financial contribution to keep the show up and running, a donation at henrywins.com. 
And remember, I'm here to serve you. So if you have any questions or comments or ideas, you can always reach me on Instagram at Henry Wins. Otherwise, I'll speak to you next week. Keep living your dharma.